want to thank you all for being here today. Um, as you know, we're starting a new series. We're going to be in the book of Jonah, uh, the first chapter. And the series title is called A Big Fish and a Second Chance. And the title of today's teaching is God of Compassion. So if you have your Bibles, you can go ahead and start to turn there. But the book of Jonah is very unique in, you know, among the prophets in the Old Testament because they're typically a collection of God's words spoken through the prophets, right? That's usually what this is. But this book actually doesn't focus on the words of the prophet. Rather, they focus on the account of the prophet. And one thing I can tell you about this prophet is this prophet is he's kind of mean. He's kind of nasty, but you're going to see that he's also very selfish. He's a selfish prophet, and we'll see that as we go on. And the book of Jonah is about a rebellious prophet who doesn't care for God that much because God loves his enemies. God loved his enemies. And it's not only about a big fish and second chances. How many people are glad for second chances, right? What about third and fourths? That's where I'm at, right? That's who our God is. He provides us with many second chances because it's the will of God. It's about sharing his word. We have to believe in his word and share all of God's words, not just what we like, right? Have you guys ever heard of a buffet? Do you guys like buffets? There, everybody likes a buffet, right? Well, this right here, God's Word, it's not a buffet. God's Word is not a buffet. Everything in this book is useful to us. Teaching, correcting, rebuking. It's not a buffet where we can look at it and go, I like this verse, but I don't like this one. I'm not going to do that. All of God's Word is useful for each and every one of us. And God is mentioned 38 times in these four short chapters in Jonah. It's also about God's love, but it's about repentance and how we should share the good news with other people. Now, Jonah was pretty popular in his time because Jonah had some predictions. His prophecies had come true. They had been fulfilled that the nation of Israel would regain her lost territories from her enemies. In 2 Kings 14.25, it says it like this. He was the one who restored the boundaries of Israel from Laobahamath to the Dead Sea in accordance with the word of the Lord, the God of Israel, spoken through his servant Jonah, son of Amittai, the prophet from Gath-Hefer. Those were very peaceful and prosperous days for Israel. But... There were autumn days they were coming right before the storms of winter and that winter of judgment. And first we see that Jonah is very rebellious. And we'll see that Jonah has a couple experiences which relate to us that we can see. As we open the book of Jonah, I want us to take a look at the route that Jonah was going to take. I have a map up here. And Jonah was over here, and Jonah was supposed to go from there to Tarshish or to Nineveh. That was his route, but what Jonah decided to do was to go all the way over to Tarshish. And that was supposedly at that time, that was the end of the world, right? That was as far as you could go to get away. And that's what he was doing. He was fleeing the presence 
of the Lord, trying to go as far as he could go. That was his anticipated route, but that is not the route he took. So if you have your Bibles, open them to Jonah, chapter 1, verse 1, and it says this. The word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, go to the great city of Nineveh and preach against it because its wickedness has come up before me. But Jonah ran away from the Lord and headed to Tarshish. He went down to Joppa where he found a ship bound for that port. And after paying the fare, he went aboard and sailed to Tarshish to flee the Lord. And it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And God was addressing Jonah and he was commissioning him to go and preach against evil, to spread the good news. And we're all commissioned with that in our lives to go. But Jonah disobeyed God's call. Because what he thought about God's word was, God's word was something I could take it or I could leave it. It was kind of like that buffet. I like this, I don't like that. But that's not true. We can't do that. His attitude was wrong. His attitude towards the will of God and the word of God was wrong. Luke says it like this in 646. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? When God's word comes to us, we must listen and obey. Partial obedience is disobedience, and disobedience is not an option. Disobedience to God's word is not an option for his children. And God, Jonah must have forgotten what a privilege it was to be a prophet, to hear God's word, and to be able to tell people. This account reminds us of God's story, a story of continuing grace and compassion and mercy for lost sinners. The Bible is comprised of 66 books and tells one story. And God continues to communicate that story and that message to us today. But we have to listen to it. And that message is, is how long-suffering he is towards us, isn't he? God is long-suffering towards us. Because God loves all people. The question is, do we? Do we love all people? Do we love our enemies? Do we love the people that wrong us? Well, God spoke to Jonah in this unique way. And he gave him two things to do. And that was at first, go to the great city of Nineveh. Go, he said. Second, preach against it because of the injustices that they were doing there. But Jonah fled the presence of God. He did it out of fear. But he didn't do it out of fear to the Lord because if he would have done it out of fear to God, he would have respected and he would have had all and a reverence for God and he would have obeyed him. But he also didn't do it out of fear of the Ninevites. Remember, these were very cruel people, but he wasn't in fear of them. Remember, he had the wrong, a wrong attitude. What he was in fear of is that God would forgive them. He was in fear that they would hear the message, they would repent, and they would receive God's mercy, and that God would forgive them, and he didn't want that. That was the last thing that Jonah wanted, was for them to repent and receive God's mercy. And for us, obeying the will of God is not optional. It's important. 
It's important for us to obey the will of God. Jesus said it like this in John 4, 34. He said this, My food, said Jesus, is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. God's work for us to finish that. In obeying the will of God, we find our spiritual nourishment. We're fulfilled. Jesus said this, The will of God is the food that satisfies me. But to Jonah, doing the will of God, telling the Ninevites about God and that they might repent, it choked him. He didn't want to do it. His attitude was wrong towards God. And this feeling that God was asking him to do the impossible... Let me ask you, has God ever asked you to do the impossible? Has God ever put something in your way that you felt was impossible? Just remember, our God is the God of possible. Everything's possible for him. But he says, first, go to Nineveh. This city of Nineveh was the capital of the Assyrian Empire, and it was a large and prominent city in its days. Ancient historians say that Nineveh was so large, it was such an important capital of this dominating empire that surely it was an intimidating place for him to go. And this was a very awesome city, according to what they say, but this was also a very awful city. It was very awful, the things that they were doing there. And God called Jonah to go there, to a pagan Gentile city. And I want you to think about this. If God called you, And he said, I want you to go. I want you to give your heart to me. And I want you to go to the most anti-American country that there is. And give them a message of repentance. And give their lives over to me in the name of Jesus. How would you feel? How would you feel if God called you to go? But remember this, we are called to go. Each and every one of us. In the Great Commission, Jesus said this in Matthew 28, 19, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. And I just want to make one thing clear. When we go, it's not when we get there. Because most of the time, we're never going to get there, right? But along the way, as we're going, in the marketplace, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, that's when we spread the good news of the gospel. We tell people about what Jesus has done for us and what he can do for them as we go. And we're all called to go. And the second thing what he did, he told him to preach out against it because he was to rebuke them for their sins and was to call them to repent because God had saw their wickedness. And God sees it all, doesn't he? God sees everything that we do, even the things that we think are hidden from him. And there may come a point when it demands a specific warning and a judgment from God. And Hebrews 4.13 puts it like this. Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. And each one of us have to give an account. And none of man's wickedness is hidden before God. But Jonah... He would have rather seen this city destroyed. He would have rather seen this city destroyed than them receive God's mercy and grace and repent. Sometimes we can get like that, don't we? You guys ever got like that? 
You ever been somebody did something to you and you're like, oh, no, I'm not going to forgive them. We're not going to do that. Years ago, we went to a different church, Cindy and I, and there were some things that were going on, and some people did some stuff, and I'm sure we did some things as well, right? But what I wanted was I wanted them to receive God's wrath. Go get them, Holy Spirit. Go get them. Get them. And God said, what about you? What about you? You're a sinner as well. Remember, we've all sinned, and we all fall short of the glory of God. Each and every one of us. So when we want something for somebody else, remember, that was meant for us as well. And that's why we're called to tell them the good news. To give them the message about repenting and the grace and the love of God. In Psalm 3311, it says this, But the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purpose of his heart through all generations, and that is that people would repent. And Jonah forgot what the will of God was. God wants everyone to repent and to receive his grace as an expression of his love. Why? Because God loves all people. The question is, do we love all people? We have to look in our hearts and say, do we love all people? Do we love them enough to tell them the good news about Jesus Christ? Remember, we're trying to get as many people to go to heaven as we can with us. And you may never know who you touch or when you spread the gospel to them, if they ever receive it, but you might know in heaven when you see them there. We may never know here, and that's okay. But the Holy Spirit will touch them. He will convict them. That's his role. And we're part of the kingdom of God. And our God is merciful, and he's compassionate, and he's slow to anger, and he is patient with us, isn't he? Amen? Aren't you glad of that, that he's patient with each and every one of us? He doesn't want anybody to perish, but he wants everyone to come to repentance. God is so gracious to each and every one of us. And what we see is Jonah's attempting to flee because he's running from God. Jonah was this reluctant prophet because Jonah didn't want the Assyrians and Nineveh to escape God's judgment. He wanted them to receive what they deserved. And aren't you glad we don't receive what we deserve because of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ on the cross? And running, though, Jonah's taking the first steps of many in this downward spiral that he'll do. Jonah intended to escape and run as far as he could possibly from God's presence and from Nineveh. But God's presence, this was a futile attempt to run from that. We can't run from God. David says this in Psalms 139, verse 7, Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. God is always with us. The presence of the Lord, the Holy Spirit lives in us. But if David wanted to escape God's all-encompassing presence and knowledge, he wouldn't find a place to hide from him. And for us, the obedient believers, the omnipresence of God is a comfort, 
knowing that he's with us, Jesus said this, And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. And Hebrews echoes that promise. And what do we do? We live by the promises of God's word. We trust God and we live by his promises. And that promise says this, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. This promise means we don't have to fear what man can do to us anymore. For if God is with us, who can be against us, right? Amen. Because God is with us. But Jonah was not an obedient prophet. He wasn't obedient at all. There was an impulse in him that was leading him and driving him. And this impulse was not the Holy Spirit. It was himself. Because he put himself first. It's what he wanted instead of putting God first in what he wants for our lives. And this is a dangerous impulse, a dangerous place to be. And soon he would learn that there was no place that he could run and be out of God's presence. The word came to him, and like I said, he felt like he could take it or leave it one way or the other. That's the wrong attitude for us. And we can look at Jonah as an example of doing something solely on the basis of our impulses or our feelings. As an impulse, that can make us do to God and do to others what we would never want done to ourselves. Many people take these inner impulses and say, the Lord told me to do that. And this is a dangerous place. When we have those inner promptings, that is the Holy Spirit speaking to us. But we have to listen and we have to obey what he's saying. Jonah goes down and he finds a ship and after paying the fare, and this shows the danger of being guided by our impulses or our circumstances. And he did not listen to the Lord because sin will take us places we don't want to be. Sin will take us a place we don't want to be. And sin is very exciting initially for a season. But it's also very expensive and costly eventually. When we run from the presence of the Lord, going in the opposite direction, you can be sure that the enemy will have a ship waiting for you and paying your fare to send you off to run from God because the fleeting pleasures and the cost of sin are very costly. And the word of the Lord is to be our guide. The Holy Spirit guides us and directs us. And we must, must not part from that. We must wake up every day and pray and say, Holy Spirit, what would you have me do today? Your will be done in my life. First things first. You're first in my life, Lord. What would you have me do today? And Jonah needed Nineveh just as much as Nineveh needed Jonah. The point here is, rather than running from God, trusting with your past, your present, and your future. Trust God with your life. Don't run from God. Turn and run to God's loving arms. Run into his arms and trust him with your life. Jonah's attitude was wrong, and it was like the attitude of most of the Jews. Israel was reluctant to share God's love and mercy with others. Remember, this was their God-given mission 
Like Jonah, they didn't want anybody that was not a Jew to obtain God's favor. They wanted it just for themselves. Instead of wanting to help them find the true living God, he wanted to abandon them to their darkness and a spiritual death. Why? Because the Assyrians were ruthless enemies. To this day, the Assyrians are known as the cruelest, most sadistic people in world history. But not only did he hate their sins, but he also hated those who committed those sins. He hated them for the sins, and he also hated them. But we're not called to just talk to our own people. We're not called to focus just on our own little holy huddles that we have. It's us four and no more. We're called to go and tell the world. And the world is wicked. The world is lost. And we're called to tell them the good news. Just because their sin is different than our sin, we don't judge them. We want to share the good news with them so they can repent and receive God's grace. Because God wants his people to proclaim his graciousness and his love and his goodness to the whole world. He wants us to be on mission wherever we're at and wherever he sends us. And in doing the will of God, we grow in grace and we become more like Christ. Hate the sin, love the sinner. That's what we're called to do. Then in verse 4, it says this. Then the Lord sent a great wind on the sea, and such a violent storm arose that the ship threatened to break up. All the sailors were afraid, and each cried out to his own God, because they had their own God. They didn't know the one true living God. And they threw up their cargo into the sea to lighten the ship. But Jonah had gone below deck, where he laid down, and he fell into a deep sleep. The captain went to him and said, How can you sleep? Get up and call on your God. Maybe he will notice, take notice of us so that we will not perish. Jonah the Jew had become a curse instead of a blessing. God called the Jewish people to be a blessing to all nations on earth. In Genesis 12, 1, it says this. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your great name great, and you will be a blessing. They were to be a blessing, but Jonah wasn't. And just like everyone else and like Jonah, when we sin and we become out of the will of God, instead of blessings, trouble are soon to follow. And now we see that Jonah has brought trouble on this boatload of sailors because he was running from the Lord. And consider this. Consider everything that Jonah lost because he wasn't a blessing to other people. The first thing that he lost, he lost the word of God. He lost the word of God because it doesn't say in verse 4 that the word came to Jonah. What it says is the Lord sent a great wind on the sea a violent storm arose, and the ship was threatened to break up. The Lord was stirring up this storm. Everything in nature was obeying God except his servant Jonah. 
everything. And sometimes God sends storms into our lives to correct us, to redirect us, to bring his children back into port safely. Not every storm is a result of rebellion. We often think of Jesus calming the waters, and he does that. But Jesus sent his disciples into the storms on more than one occasion, not because they were sinning, but they needed to be strengthened. They needed to grow. He didn't want to destroy them. He wanted to develop them. I've heard these stories of these trees. They're cypress trees. They're in the Monterey Peninsula. Has anybody ever heard of those, seen those cypress trees out there? Yeah, they're beautiful, aren't they? Well, these trees, what they do is when the wind blows on them, they become more shapely, they become more beautiful, but they become stronger because their roots go deeper because of that. And they continue to grow, and they become incredibly sturdy and lovely because of this constant wind that was on them. And the same is true for us. When God's stormy winds come upon us, they're not meant to destroy us, but they're meant to develop us. They're meant for us to go deeper in God's word, that our roots would be deep in his word, that we would trust him with our lives, every part of it. There's only one thing I know about storms. You're either in one, you're getting ready to go in one, or you're coming out of one. That's what happens with storms. But take hope. God's using these storms to strengthen you, to help you grow deeper in his word, and to bring you back into his loving arms safely. And he's also using this to develop you into his masterpiece for his glory and his grace. He's using it to help you develop. But God was no longer speaking to Jonah through his word. He was speaking to him through his works. The wind, the rain, and we'll see soon later, a big fish. And God speaks to us in several different ways. And the one way that God speaks to us is God speaks to us through circumstances. God speaks to us through the circumstances in our lives, the things that are going on in our life. But Jonah fell asleep. God sends this huge storm to wake him up, while ironically, the sailors up top, they were wide awake. They knew exactly what was going on. There was some kind of divine power in this, and they knew what was happening. And God didn't send this storm to punish them, but he was sending it to show his patience and his love. And God sometimes does that with us as well. But another thing that Jonah lost, he lost his spiritual energy. Remember, the will of God, that's what nourished him. He wasn't being nourished, so he lost that spiritual energy. And he fell asleep during this storm. He didn't care about the safety of the other people on the ship. But remember, Jesus also fell asleep in a storm, didn't he? He fell asleep in a storm on the Sea of Galilee. But Jesus slept in peace. Because he was in the will of God. And he knew that God was in control of everything. And that's what gives us our peace. Being in the will of God, there's no better place to be than in the center of God's will. And it's possible for us to be out of the will of God and still have circumstances appear to be working on our behalf. 
you can still rebel against God and still have a sense of false security because sometimes we rely on ourselves instead of relying on God. And this could include a good night's sleep. Let me ask you this. Have you ever been so weighed down by sin that you just went to sleep, pulled the covers over your head, and just wanted to sleep? You ever done that? I just want to sleep. And when I wake up, everything will be okay. It's not. And Jonah finds that out because he's getting ready for a great fall. Because of Jonah's disobedience, they were all in a very dangerous place because he was sleeping. In Proverbs 24, 33, it says this, A little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, and poverty will come on you like a thief. The sailors were calling upon their gods while Jonah slept. It's hard to know what actually motivated them, but they were crying out to their gods. There was something that they sensed, some kind of spiritual power in that storm. And they were crying out to their gods that were nothing and could do nothing. Many people assume that they can put off doing their business with God until they choose a better time to do it. And I can tell you today is a day of salvation. You can't put off till tomorrow what you can do today. Why? Because tomorrow always becomes today, and today we're always putting it off till tomorrow. But today is the day of salvation. There was one man on board that had a relationship with God who worshipped him, who could pray to him, but he was sleeping because the storm outside did not matter to him because the storm inside that he was dealing with was his resistance to God, and it made him sleep. It was the spiritual battles that were in his life, and we all go through those spiritual battles, don't we? Each and every one of us do. Jonah was fast asleep, and sleeping Christians stay away from the work and the will of our Lord. In verse 7, it says this, Then the sailors said to each other, Come, let us cast lots to find out who is responsible for this calamity. They cast lots, and their lot fell on Jonah. So they asked him, tell us, who is responsible for making all this trouble for us? What kind of work do you do? Where do you come from? What is your country? From what people are you? He answered, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the dry land. And this terrified them, and they asked, what have you done? They already knew that he was running from the Lord because he had told them. And the sailors now discovered that he was the source of that trouble. And the sailors wanted to know more about him. And Jonah explained himself. He was a prophet and that he was running from the Lord and that he had sinned. And the thing about that is our sin negatively affects us and it affects others around us. God was speaking to Jonah through the sailors who didn't even know God. And it's a sad thing when a servant of God is rebuked by a non-believer. Now, Jonah, it's kind of funny because he kind of sprouts off this little bit of like religious mumbo-jumbo, right? He's kind of like, yeah, I'm a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God who made the sea and the dry land, right? That's kind of a joke, right? Because what he's doing, he's running from God in a boat, Think about that. 
You ever been in a boat? Is that the best place to be in a storm? It's not. You can't run in a boat. He's saying God made the dry land and he made the sea. And Jonah, what's he do? He gets in a boat. Jonah had brought trouble instead of blessings to all these people. And also, he wasn't living up to his calling because his calling as a prophet, he had no word from God for these sailors at all. He had nothing for them. And they knew he was running from God. And this made them terrified because he said he was a prophet. It said it terrified them. The God who created the heavens and earth. Well, the God that creates those heavens and the earth loves us too much to let us run from him without negative consequences. He lets us run, but there are always consequences to that because he loves us so much. In verse 11, it says the sea was getting rougher and rougher. So they asked him, what should we do to make the seas calm down for us? Jonah says, pick me up and throw me into the sea, he replied, and it will become calm. I know that it is my fault that this great storm has come upon you. When the sailors asked him what to do, he said, well, it's my fault that you guys are all seasick, right? Just pick, pick me up, pitch me over the side. What he was doing is he was taking responsibility, right? And at first, that sounds like a pretty noble act. It's pretty noble of him to do that. He's willing to sacrifice his life to save everyone on the ship. He's like, I got this. I'm responsible, and I did this. He was owning up to his own actions. Do we do that? Do we own up to our own actions sometimes? Well, he was doing that. Or maybe he had compassion for these sailors. And maybe he should be commended for telling the truth, having them telling them about the storm that he had caused. But sometimes in these storms, and we'll find this out, that sometimes in our storms, innocent people get tossed around in these storms, don't they? They get tossed around. The fact is that our families and our friends and our co-workers often pay the price for our foolishness and our sin. And what should he have done? He should have quit running. He should have surrendered his life to God, listened and obeyed to the will of God. He should have fell to his knees and confessed his sin and have a desire to be completely dependent on God and God alone. After all, there's no safer place than casting yourself totally upon God, is there? No safer place. And what would have happened or what could have happened is that Jonah might have seen the storm cease and that there would have been an open door and a great opportunity to witness to those sailors on the ship. But he didn't do that. And he should not be commended for taking his own life into his hands. Because when you realize what he was actually doing, this was probably the most selfish thing that he could do. Why? He was being selfish. And what he was saying is, take my life. This is a selfish move. Because, I mean, there was no greater way for him not to go to Nineveh, to get out of the presence of God, than to kill himself. That's pretty selfish. And that's what he was doing. He was not wanting to go to Nineveh. He wanted to avoid the call of God. He would have rather died than obey the will of God and see people come to repentance. And I hope we're not like that. In verse 13, it says this, the men did their best to row back to land, but they could not do it, for the sea grew wilder than before. 
Then they cried out to the Lord, Please, Lord, do not let us die for taking this man's life. Do not hold us accountable for killing an innocent man, for you, Lord, have done as you please. See, the, the sailors reject this at first, the throwing him overboard. So what did they do? They started to work harder and harder. And men, we know this. Whenever a problem comes up, what can we do? We can fix it, right? You guys like that? There's a problem. I'll work harder. I'll try to fix it. That wasn't the case here. These men were trying to work harder. They were trying their best to fix their problems. But we can't fix our problems without God. We need to put him first in our lives. And sometimes these unbelievers, just like these sailors, they can surprise us because they had, were honest and they had sympathy and they were, had a sacrifice for other people. They did more for Jonah than he was willing to do for them. What we need to do is just listen to the word of God. They were reluctant to throw him overboard because they believed that their, Jonah's God was the true God and that he existed. And they feared the consequences of throwing him into the sea. But when all hope seems to be lost, we like to take precautions, don't we? And that's what they did. They took a precaution. Because sin has consequences. So they threw him overboard. And Numbers 32, 23 says this, But if you fail to do this, you will be sinning against the Lord, and you may be sure that your sin will find you out. Jonah's sin found him out. And Jonah's sin had consequences for him, and his sin had consequences for other people. And then in verse 15, it says, Then they took Jonah and threw him overboard into the raging sea, grew, and it grew calm. At this, the men greatly feared the Lord, and they offered a sacrifice to the Lord and made vows to him. Charles Spurgeon says this. He said that God never allows his children to sin successfully. And Jonah is proof of the truth of that statement. In Hebrews 12, 6, it says this. Because the Lord disciplines the one he loves, and he chastens everyone he accepts as his sons and daughters. The point here is choose to sin and choose to suffer. When we choose to sin, we choose to suffer, and that's what Jonah did in his rebellion. There was no evidence that these sailors ever received God into their lives, but they probably just added Jehovah on their God shelf with their other gods at that time. They threw themselves on God's mercy, and then they threw Jonah into the raging sea. And God had stopped that storm. The immediate end of the storm proved that Jonah's God did exist. And that Jonah's resistance to God was a real problem. Jonah who rebelled and runs from his own God because of his mercy and his grace towards other people. And these sailors, they feared the Lord. They sacrificed to him and they made promises to serve him. These sailors who were supposed to be immoral, they actually had soft, repentive hearts. And in humility, they turned to God. Listen to God's word, his will for our lives, and trust and obey him faithfully. The sailors moved from fearing the storm to fearing the Lord. They feared the Lord just as the disciples did when Jesus calmed the storm. 
They were delivered from the storm, and now these sailors come to the one faith, true faith in God. Our resistance to God can cause real storms in our life, but our faith and our trust and obedience can deliver us from these storms, each and every one of us. And now verse 17, the last verse, says this. Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah was sinking, and God provided a strange watery tomb for him in the stomach of a big fish. Now, of course, under normal circumstances, this would have probably been a certain death. But in this account, God gives Jonah a second chance. No doubt that Jonah was in a very tight spot. Have you ever been in a tight spot? Well, it's an interesting thing about tight spots. They will either make you bitter or they will make you better. A tight spot will make you bitter or it will make you better. Boiling water hardens an egg, and that same boiling water softens a potato. The sun can melt wax, or it can harden clay. If the substance melts or hardens, is not determined by the sun, but by the materials that the sun shines on, and that's our hearts. When the word of the Lord comes to us and the sun shines on us, do we harden our hearts? Or do we soften our hearts for a lost world? Do we share the gospel with the sinners? Jonah's submarine experience cramped in this tight spot in the stomach of this big fish. This becomes his second chance and his passage back to life in God's will. And there's no better place to be than in the center of God's will. And I want you to know, if you don't know where that is, look for it and be there. Put yourself in the center of God's will. In the 17th century, English preacher Jeremy Taylor said this, that God threatens terrible things if you will not be happy. And what he's referring to is to be happy with God's will for your life. Be happy with God's will for your life. Our goal is, like our mission statement, we exist to glorify God. That's why we're here. We're here to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. And how do we glorify God? We glorify God by enjoying His will and doing it His will for His glory from our hearts. Putting Him first in our lives. Church, we can run from God's commands, but we cannot run from His gracious love and His mercy in our lives. In all of this, Jonah is a wonderful picture of the Messiah that would come after him, Jesus, the perfect Jonah. However, there are many differences here between Jonah and Jesus. The first one is that Jesus threw himself into the fury of God's storm to rescue those people who are far away from God, to bring the word to the people to lost sinners so that they would escape God's judgment and they would receive his grace. Jesus substituted himself so that others and us could live in eternity with him. And Jesus was willing to go where Jonah said no. 
And one of the greatest differences is that Jonah was disobedient and he was guilty. And Jesus was completely obedient and he was innocent. And he went to the cross to take our sin so that we could be right in the eyes of God. And that we could spend eternity with him. And we can learn a lot of things from this first chapter in Jonah. And what we can learn is that God hates the sin, but he loves the sinner, including wicked people. And God calls us, each and every one of us, to share the gospel, good or bad. And that there's a cost for when we sin. And that cost can be transferred over to our families. They can be in that storm with us. Others are affected by our disobedience. And that God's heart is always with us. God sent Jesus to give his life so that we would live. That we would be delivered from these storms. And many people assume that they can put off doing their business with God putting him first in their lives and that they can choose what a better time is to do it. And today is that day because today is the day of salvation.